0: welcome to our second episode of space cadets where this time around we'll be reviewing gravity um now this movie was quite quite a lot of fun to watch i think for, for lots of reasons um so george i'll hand it to you
1: yes thank you thank you crazy um yeah as crazy says we'll be looking at gravity which is Again, it's only our second film, and it's probably what will end up being a rare entry in our series, which is obviously a blockbuster film, a major film, which, to be fair, the space sci-fi genre doesn't have a huge amount of those. Um, Now, before we actually get to the film proper, um, I just need to bore everyone with a few little housekeeping things. So, as it stands, um, the podcast is now available and hosted on SoundCloud. And we have also just been approved for entry into the iTunes catalog, which is wonderful. I'm not sure what the iTunes people were thinking, but it's their mistake. So we ha- so we have SoundCloud, we're on iTunes. We also have a um, YouTube channel. Now, all of this is under Space Cadets Podcast. So if you just search Space Cadets Podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or YouTube, you'll find us. So if you're listening to this, you hopefully already have. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which, again, is Space Cadets Podcast. Um, we'll be hope, That probably will be a very good way of sort of creating audience engagement and allowing people to sort of interact with us. So feel free to contact us via that. Conversely, if you'd prefer, you can also email us at spacecadetspodcast, or one word, at gmail.com. So spacecadetspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll endeavor to sort of respond to those as promptly as possible. Uh, one final warning, which I completely forgot to do for the Event Horizon podcast, and I feel silly for doing it, but obviously, because we will be going through the film and going through a synopsis of it, uh, a spoiler warning.
0: That's right. Spoilers. Um, but hopefully, it, I mean, I think Event Horizon was sort of a unique case because it's <laughs> it's been out for long enough, and really, if you haven't gotten around to watching it, I don't know.
1: Um, <laughs> exactly. It's when, when we—it's when we review some film from the sort of nineteen twenties or thirties, and we have to say spoiler warning that you get concerned.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess with gravity, you know, it's still reasonable to assume some people might not have seen it. Um, mm-hmm. Spoilers.
1: Spoilers, and again, as you'll find out over the next hour and a half, we'll let you know if you—it's worth your time seeing it or not. Yeah. So,
0: with that other way, shall we get to it?
1: Yeah, let's do. Um so the film opens as as many science fiction films do, with sort of a text sort of appearance on the screen. Um essentially telling us that space is dangerous.
0: Mm. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh so temperature fluctuates at a certain certain height. It can be um really hot or really bloody cold. Uh, there's no sound and no oxygen, so nobody can hear you scream. Because you can't.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so j- j- just you know, establishing the stakes early on, um, but it's not the sort of place you probably just want to go for a Sunday stroll.
0: No, not, not without, <laughs> without a, a lot of safety.
1: No, exactly. Um, so we begin we begin the film um, after this sort of text scroll with a beautiful shot of Earth, and this sort of establishes what will be the case throughout the remainder of the film, which is Oh, we'll just get to it now because I can't resist. I mean, the cinematography on this film is absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, it, oh, yeah, it absolutely is.
1: Yeah. It's a sublime vista and we get a beautiful sort of introductory shot of Earth, which, um, you know, the camera stays on for quite a long time. And just sort of establishing that, you know, this is obviously going to be the type of film, um, going to be type of film where, you know, they really capitalise upon stunning sort of aesthetics and visuals. And this shot sort of slowly pans over to a group of astronauts who we find out are working on the Hubble Telescope.
0: That's right. We have, um, well, we have the three sort of main characters. If you want to call them main, some of them aren't there for that long, but they're the
1: main characters at the moment.
0: Yeah, at the moment. So you have um, you have Dr. Ryan Stone, uh, and she's up there for for reasons. Obviously, she she's part of the, um that whole process of uh, working on this on the scope um then you have the sort of mission commander Matthew Kowalski um a veteran astronaut and having i guess having a bit of fun on his son's his last mission exactly um, it's,
1: yeah it's established very early on that this is going to be his final mission and he's very much a sort of professional and he um likes bad music <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, everybody's got their taste. So <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it myself, but I, I probably wouldn't really actively switch it out. Anyway, uh, you, you also—they're they're also joined by um, Sharif, Harvard-educated, uh, fun-loving type of person, from what we see. He's—he's mm-hmm. he's very much enjoying his outing in space
1: is he obviously you know he really is making the most of it and it's you know it's wonderful he's going to be able to go home and share these wonderful stories with his friends and family about how much he's enjoying being in space
0: yeah yep
1: (laughs) uh we should we should note as well sorry we neglected to do so um the ryan stone character is played by sandra bullock and the lieutenant kowalski character is played by george clooney of course yeah apologies yep that's right (laughs) Um we also have established at this point that um Kurowski, George Clooney's character, wants to break um the spacewalk record. Well, actually I, I don't think it's no say, I don't think it's a spacewalk record. I is it spacewalk or time in space? It's one of the two.
0: One of the two, yeah. I'm honestly not entirely sure. I kind of yeah. missed that as well. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think no, I think it's a spacewalk record and it's held by a Russian fellow presently. Anatoly. Yeah, Helberd Anatoly. Um, so so there, we sort of get a broad introduction to the characters whilst they're working on the Hubble telescope. Everything is quite jovial. Um, Ryan Stone is shown she isn't... It's actually shown at this point that she isn't a sort of um, an actual astronaut, so to speak. Um, unlike the other, She is a sort of um, a doctor, actually, a medical doctor who um, has come onto this mission because she, some field of her research, um, essentially has enabled them to make an improvement to the Hubble telescope.
0: Exactly, yeah. That has required her to be there.
1: Exactly. Even though that would never happen in real life, they would just train a national to do her job. But so be it. Plot necessities. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's, that's a thing. You, you, you can do that. <laughs> mm. So everything seems to be going quite well, and then um, what, what transpires then, Crazy?
0: Well, I mean, they're they're all they're doing their own thing with the the telescope, and then um, mission control sort of pops in and goes, "Okay, so." Uh, this Russian station was hit by a missile and debris flying all over the place, but we don't think it's going to be a problem for you. Of course, the audience is sitting there thinking, mm-hmm, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> it would make a good film if five minutes later he comes over and goes, no, nothing came about, it's all fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're all done here, let's go home. Um, yeah, so they they register, they acknowledge that that information has been received and they're all good. And then... um. Oh God! Uh Kowalski is regaling everybody with his mardi Gras nineteen eighty seven story when he's interrupted by Mission Control yet again uh informing them that um the initial debris has crashed into some more um satellites that have created a much larger debris field that is pretty much coming right for them, and mm. with very little time to react, the debris just sort of lays waste to everything yeah Sharif's face
1: it is so which we'll get to in a moment so looking at the science of the film this is actually something that's known as the kessler effect and as crazy described it's the idea that um when, once the density of sort of space debris and stuff in orbit around earth reaches a certain point and it's quite dense as it is now um all you would need is basically one sort of collision to set off a chain reaction and sort of a cascading snowball effect so one collision causes destruction which creates yeah, so one satellite is turned into hundreds of pieces of debris, which then each strike other satellites, and I think you get the idea. And it's called the Kessler Effect, and the film sort of portrays it. This is probably sort of the worst-case scenario, because in the film, in the space of a few minutes, we go to from things being fine to most satellites in orbit around Earth are taken down.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, telecommunications, uh, your Facebook, gone.
1: As they, as they note, which uh, at that point, as soon as they said Facebook was gone, they had my attention. <laughs> so yeah so uh, as crazy said so so essentially they are told they have to abort the mission immediately abandon the telescope and return to the explorer their shuttle for an emergency um, re-entry and it's at this point that we get sort of the first demonstration that this is truly going to be an incredibly beautiful film because we see It's again, it's it's really difficult to actually describe um, describe how we do this because it's based on sort of very clever camera work, but from the perspective the camera sort of keeps looking at um, Sandra Bullock's character, Dr. Stone, as everything else around her is essentially torn asunder by this field of debris as it comes rushing past. Mm,
0: Because uh, Dr. Stone is connected to this arm that is just sort of being, this, well, it's flailing about amid the chaos and, as George says, the camera focuses on her, while as the background is spinning we can see everything just sort of flying apart.
1: Mm. There's, yeah, as the debris strikes the explorer, the shuttle is devastated, as we see, it's chaos, everything is spinning, it's utter chaos, and um, Lieutenant Kowalski convinces Stone to ad- Basically, release herself from the arm, lest she just be blown out entirely um, and lost. And at the last moment, um, she does, and is, <laughs> which is strange because despite what he said that she needs to detach from the arm, or else she'll be blown out into space. She sort of is, anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um... <laughs> yeah. She, she's, she, she. Well, sorry, let me a second. It looks like things are sort of going a bit bit grim for, uh, for Stone as she's spiralling <laughs> off into space. Um, you know, the lights start to dim and the sound drops away as the hopelessness of Stone's predicament sets in. And then, out of nowhere, Kowalski is like, I'll save you and my nifty little jetpack.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was established earlier that Kowalski was um, using a sort of an experimental jetpack for all intents and purposes.
0: That's right, yeah. He was having a bit of fun with his jetpack.
1: He was, he was, to be fair. And he's able to use... So we have a sort of a few moments where Stone is sort of alone and isolated and has an unfortunate amount of time to sort of contemplate her own mortality for a moment. Very much lost in space. Um, there's also... This is the first time we see something which is very, very clever that they do several times throughout the film, which is they... The camera sort of slowly draws into um, Stone and then it actually sort of inverts. We have a perspective from inside her helmet. Yeah almost again from her perspective we see you know we begin we suddenly go from looking at her in sort of profile to seeing her everything from her perspective from inside the helmet and it's one of the clever ways that the film plays with the fact that although they're in space and everything around them is sort of open they make it, it nevertheless creates the idea of a very claustrophobic environment hmm,
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i mean other than earth there's really nothing to see Mm, Exactly. So it it sort of informs this sense of claustrophobia and the general rising fear, which obviously one would experience under these circumstances. Um, But then her knight in, well, shining armor, white spacesuit with a jetpack, turns up. (sighs) Yep,
0: that's right. Um, So, yeah, he picks up um, Stone, who is panicking and just
1: churning through her oxygen at, at a ridiculous rate no um, but i'm quite sure that i had <laughs> to yeah well i think that's quite understandable given the circumstances
0: it is unfortunately oxygen is precious in space
1: um <laughs> so
0: uh kowalski reminds her that you know breathe just breathe as they slowly um make their way uh or try to make their way down to the Explorer. Where I think, no, they, they want to try and retrieve Sharif's body first, right? Before they head to the Explorer.
1: Yeah, so Sharif, the fellow they were with, um, it's pretty much established he was just blown away by the debris and they tried to retrieve his body. Um, And he's looking a little worse for Wes.
0: No. And see, I like Sharif because, I mean, that, that opening bit with a... The back and forth between them you have um Sharif just sort of bouncing around connected to his tether doing a bit of a dance in space which
1: frankly is just awesome like <laughs> you do you you do envy him at least for a few moments
0: he's my favorite character just because he does this little celebratory dance in space <laughs> i love that moment mm-hmm. um but yeah so obviously He's dead because a bit of debris actually went right through his head. A bit like a, I don't know, pencil through paper kind of situation, you know, big clean
1: hole. Um, it really, like, literally, it is just sort of, you know, probably 15 centimetre large or 10 to 15 centimetre large gas. Just, like, you literally just see for the other side. There's just nothing there. It just, like, part of his head was just taken off. Mm. Which conveniently establishes the stakes for the surviving characters. Well, yeah, as if the stakes weren't already
0: pretty <laughs> damn well set. Um, but yeah, so they they'll, they they want to retrieve Shre- uh, Shreve's body because respect, um, and then they they go down to the Explorer to see if anyone else is still alive. Um, but there's a giant a giant hole in the side of the Explorer, and everybody else is just sort of floating because they're all dead.
1: Hmm. And one person gets to go home to their family and say, "I got a role in a major blockbuster film as a jump scare." And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you play the corpse <laughs> the corpse exactly um uh, it, it's it was a little bit out of place it's not the sort of thing you expect in a film like this but it was just yeah it was it was just you know just a classic jump jumpscare the corpse sort of moves in front of them not not dissimilar from event horizon last time either and yeah it just sort of you know it, it does get one's heart pounding
0: mm. well yeah your heart maybe
1: um... <laughs> well, that's <better> <laughs> true. My my weak sort of since feel Yeah, I, 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 at that stage I was behind the sofa for the rest of the film. Ah, just tsk.
0: Um. Okay, so what happens after the after the after they realise that um they are the only ones, they try to relay that information to Houston, but yeah, you know, there's no sort of two-way communication there. They're just sort of throwing the information out, hoping that it's being
1: received. Yeah. Um, so they use the, they're going on about, they use the expression Houston in the blind, which it, this is an actual thing. I mean, the event, in the event that communications are severed, um, astronauts are still taught to communicate, A, because um, there's a still a chance they could be receiving. So someone could be receiving the communication and be talking f- out loud through what you're doing your problems is a very logical way of approaching things. And it's a, again, yeah. it's a sort of way of calming oneself and is used as a problem solving technique.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly right. Um, and once <laughs> that's been settled, they obviously need to find a way to get back to Earth. And what should be floating nearby in the distance but the
1: ISS? The International Space Station, precisely. Um, we should also establish as well, we well, Remember, it, it's around this time that um, Kowalski tells Stone to set her watch for ninety minutes, um, because ninety minutes is the time it will take for the debris to orbit the Earth and return back around to them. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's one of those situations where it's not a one-time thing. Unfortunately, again, because the debris is still in orbit, it's going to be it's going to come back around and cause them some strife in the not distant future. Yeah, as you'd imagine, <laughs> with the mm. orbit. Um, so they decide that they need to travel to the International Space Station to use the Soyuz capsule attached to it in order to return to Earth. That's right. And um, we then have sort of, uh, as a sort of traveling towards um, the the station, we have a bit of um, necessary character development.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, so... It's important to note the contrast between Stone and Kowalski. Obviously Kowalski is very used to this kind of environment. He's he's done this before. He's probably not been in this sort of dire situation before, but he's he's got the experience, he's got the training, he's a he's an astronaut. Um but then we have Stone, who's really only there because Plot and her research necessitated her being in space. Um and so she's panicking. She's to- she's relatively unprepared, um, yeah. and kind of a
1: kind of a dead weight at this quite point. quite literally at this point because Vasquez yeah. um, dragging him <laughs> behind him. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it's yeah it's it's interesting because this is exactly how she should be in that moment given her background, and how he exactly. should be in that moment given his background, as exactly. they make their way to the International Space Station.
1: Exactly. Throughout this, Kowalski is exhuming calm and professionalism. Um, and, you know, obviously his training is kicking in. Whereas, as you'd expect, Stone is, Stone is, you know, only a few sort of steps away from having a breakdown. Which, again, entirely understandable given the circumstances.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and probably to distract her at this time, we also get, um, so at this time, Kowalski asks Stone about her background. Where does she live? And it's also at this point that we're introduced to her, to Dr. Stone's daughter.
0: Yeah, Dr. Stone had a daughter.
1: Had being the optimal word. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's essentially established she had a daughter who died, um, she essentially fell over whilst at school, developed a head injury and died shortly thereafter. Um, and it's, yeah, obviously character development for Dr. Stone, but also sort of it's it's sort of... I think it's subtly... I mean, if not not that the parent should ever get over this, but it's sort of suggested that, obviously, it's still... It's clearly something that haunts her and continues to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's weird how that sort of plays out in the story, but we'll get more of that as as they go along. Um, well, they, they reach the International Space Station, I think, moving the story along a bit. Yeah. Um... But it's a heavy it's a heavy landing. They get there, and it's sort of a bit, uh, uh, bit risky. Yeah, they
1: ran, the jetpack that um, Kowalski's using, I'm going to call it jetpack, it's basically what it is, um, is essentially out of fuel. So he's not really able to break as they approach the ISS.
0: Mm. And of course, Stone's oxygen is running on a fumes, because she hasn't really managed to stifle her panicking.
1: Um, no, exactly. She wasn't able to sip rather than gulp, as Kowalski suggested.
0: Mm. And in the midst of that chaos, the tether the tether breaks. Um, but it ends up they end up in such a way that Stone is holding on for their life and Kowalski's being pushed out to uh, pushed out into space. And he basically sacrifices himself. He's 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 acknowledged the fact that he needs to let go, otherwise he risks killing both of them. And she's like, no,
1: no, no, don't go. And he's like, bye. <laughs> You'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I believe in you.
1: Exactly. No, so, yeah, as Crazy says, it's a situation where, um, yeah, basically you're in a, you end up in a position where either, just because of how sort of momentum works in a zero-gene vacuum environment, Either Kowalski lets go or both he and Dr. Stone are pulled away from the ISS because she's basically held on by sort of the parachute from one of us. Ah, actually, again, going back a moment is actually that's important. It was realized that the parachute on the Soyuz capsule had deployed prematurely, which means that it basically rendered the Soyuz usable for, um, for their purposes. They yeah. wouldn't be able to use it to re-enter because the parachute had already been deployed.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that happened. Kowalski is gone, and it's now up to the inexperienced um, medical engineer to not die in space.
1: Exactly. And her first job is actually to enter the space station because she's now beginning to, um, well, feel lightheaded due to CO2 exposure.
0: That's right, yeah. She has no oxygen, and she has to get inside the ISS, which she does. Um, And this sort of gives her a moment of reprieve,
1: doesn't it? It does, yeah. She's had again we sort of a brief moment where she Kowalski is gone, but she's managed to reach the ISS and the relative safety that the station presently provides. Um, we also see, yeah. So it's also established before she loses contact with Kowalski, they have you know very emotionally impactful. I think it's an emotionally impactful scene. You know, sort of he, she's basically telling her that you're going to survive and you know promise me you're going to survive. Essentially,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's
1: right and he also tells her that although the Soyuz on the International Space Station is now inoperable there is a basically an equivalent um, there is an equivalent um, capsule attached to Tiangong, the Chinese space station which was sort of briefly mentioned earlier in the film and so now she's going to have to, Stone is going to have to transition from the ISS to the Chinese station and then use their capsule to to Earth how lucky, how fortunate she is to have so much <laughs> near her. Um, I know it's, this is one again. The film we'll get to it in the review, but the film is very scientifically accurate overall. But this is one thing where there's no way that the Hubble Space Telescope, the ISS, and Tiangong Station would be this close to each other. Hmm. They would be on completely different orbits, at uh, different altitudes, and all the rest of it. Uh, but again, you know, it's um, sort of you know plot contrivance. It's a <laughs> It wouldn't really help if there was nothing she could do ne- once she reached the ISS.
0: Mm,
1: yeah, but anyway, that, that's the story, and that's what we're dealing with. Um... Um, we see the ISS. Now, it, we begin by seeing that the ISS is, for the most part, okay? Yeah, for the most part.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Now, what? We, so, you know, it only has sort of minor damage from the initial um, strike. Um, but then something unfortunate transpires.
0: Yeah, so a fire breaks out,
1: <laughs> which is always fun.
0: Um, yeah, and Stone tries her best to put out the fire, but it, it very quickly grows out of control, and she's forced into the um, Soyuz thing. The capsule. Um, the
1: capsule, right? So she tries. She tries to put the fire out. Um, we see, if, <laughs> again, our screen. You know, one screaming at her at the time. But if you're going to use a fire extinguisher in a zero-g environment, you need to brace yourself against something first, or else you'll get thrown back. Yeah,
0: sort of grounding somewhere, uh, ideally. Um, yeah. But yeah, so she she escapes into the capsule with her trusty fire extinguisher. That might be um, important later. <laughs> yeah. Um, And she tries to disengage from the station. But the parachute is still tangled, so she ends up sort of rag around the station for a little bit. Um, and then something else happens. yeah, she actually sort of separates the capsule proper,
1: yeah, so well, what actually happens is she she realizes she's obviously tries to leave as you say she tries to leave the station and can't because the parachute line is just entangled with the rest of the station, so she actually decides she has to go on a spacewalk in order to disconnect. Yeah, because I, I'm not sure exactly, I think, I think the idea is that she disconnects, is able to disconnect the sort of parachute section of the um, craft from the rest of the capsule.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I think that's, I didn't really understand what I was looking at in that moment, to be quite honest, but um, yeah, that happened.
1: Um, and so she goes back outside and she seems to be getting relatively close to um, to actually um succeeding in undoing the um in undoing the capsule and sort of freeing it from the station um, then an old friend reemerges
0: yeah, right, so um her ninety minutes are up, and the field <laughs> makes a reappearance'
1: like uh, so, hi, how are you doing? Yeah. I see you again. Uh, and <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it just sort of rips through the International Space Station. No more International Space Station for anybody.
1: Um... No, and again, we get another sort of beauty. Beauty. Again, and I, I have to assume this was intentional. You've got this wonderful contrast with something that is something that is obviously terribly destructive and horrific, but at the same time, there is a beauty to it.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's right.
1: It really is. It's absolutely gorgeous shot, and. Stone, whilst the station is being destroyed, Stone manages to get back in, into the Soyuz. Um, and Well, again, this is where her whole idea of getting out seems to have been for naught because I think it's established that she wasn't actually able to disconnect the parachute. But what ultimately happened is the debris... Well, once the station was destroyed she was sort of de facto disconnected from it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was, it was it was kind of a good thing, almost nearly dying a second time
1: <laughs> exactly um we also get probably one of the most iconic lines of the film which when we were sort of doing our notes for this episode both crazy and i wrote this down crazy <laughs> i hate
0: space <laughs> exactly of course it didn't sound anything like that it was very much <laughs> sort of begrudging i hate this place
1: no it was really well done and it it was one of those lines that it could have come across as being so cliche but it was said in just the right tone just the sort of melancholic um very sort of exhausted tone that made it seem convincing
0: yeah yeah it just yeah it wasn't it wasn't over dramatized it was just sort of it was said and then left to sit
1: exactly um so they so she's aboard the soyuz the now the idea is that basically um before he died kowalski suggested that stone used the soyuz capsule um to take a nice drive as he words it to um the chinese station
0: Yeah, she he suggests that, and she she, uh, she wants to, but, uh, there ain't no fuel, is there?
1: No, there is no fuel. They forgot to fill up at the petrol station before the oh, drive. Yeah.
0: Yeah, your <laughs> it's
1: it's, it's going to get you every time. You've you've got to remember no. to fuel up. You feel very silly about it. Um, and this is when it's at this stage. Once she realises that there's no fuel, um, I, I think understandably, sort of the weight of the situation, um becomes just a tad much for dr stone
0: yeah well i mean it's it's a bit it's it's a bit like you're you're in space doing your thing debris mucks up your day everybody dies you have to try and get to the international space station to save yourself um the odds for which are kind of tiny uh you get all the way to the capsule that has a deployed parachute but that's okay because debris has somehow freed you from that trap and you think, all oh, is going to go well, and all of a sudden there's no bloody fuel for you to get to where you need to be. So naturally, you're going to be a bit ticked off.
1: Exactly. So we have we have a little bit of a moment, <laughs> which, again, completely understandable. Um, and I think it's, I'll give you this scene, because this is when they, um, I believe, where they hear the sort of errant transmission from Earth.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is, Stone basically kind of, uh, resolves herself to the fact that she's probably going to die. Um, but in the middle of that, there's a sort of brief moment of levity where she's communicating with someone from Earth, who uh, is speaking a language I'm not entirely familiar with, so I'm not going to try and pretend that i think
1: not. I think, now, I think it might be Chinese, just because she says that she initially thinks they're from the Chinese station.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I missed that line. Um, okay, so, a possibly Chinese person, and... She gets him to to get his dogs to, to bark so she can listen to it because it's weirdly cathartic for some reason.
1: Um, uh, well, yeah. Uh, again, I, I know we sound flipping about this. this. is actually a really powerful, well done scene. But it's it's it's, it's actually very difficult to sort of describe and get the sort of full sort of atmosphere that they create with it.
0: Well, yeah. It's just. I mean, this is important, I guess, because for the last ninety minutes terms of the story she's been on her own you know she's alone in space relatively inexperienced to deal with the situation that she is in and this is the first human contact she's had since kowalski died mm-hmm. um so this is this is a big deal for her in that moment and then to i'm probably sorry i'm sorry.
1: probably the last human contact she'll ever have as well
0: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least because she's kind of Settling into where she, she is now. But to top off that sort of moment of human connection, the man brings out a baby. And of course, the loss of her child is a big, big thing for her emotionally. And hearing that, I think, was was a big moment for her.
1: It was. Well, I think it's that that causes her to sort of make the decision that she should, again, at this point um, Stone reconciles herself to her fate and it's actually shown that she sort of basically begins um, draining the capsule's oxygen tanks. Mm. Um, Obviously just, you know, she doesn't want to sort of prolong the inevitable.
0: Yeah, exactly. But... (laughs)
1: Another old friend her emerges.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Kowalski shows up out of nowhere because, okay, and turns everything on and gets everything going again. And Stone is surprised, like, what the hell? You're dead.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. Because he sort of, he, we see him banging on the door and then opens the door and obviously everything goes silent because the air is evacuated from the capsule. And he comes back in and he's re- he's very nonchalant about the whole thing. Mm, he's more yeah. pleased that he manages to find um, Anatoly's vodka. <laughs> yeah, yeah they the hidden stash of vodka. Um, Which is the most important thing in this situation? Granted,
0: yeah, his his presence in that moment sort of is is, the, is intended to deliver a provocation to Stone, you know, in, in the words, "Do you want to go back or do you want to stay here? You know, live or die? What, what do you really want to do?" And he challenges her, appealing to her will to survive, mm-hmm. and um, sort of a few lines. He goes, goes, uh, "Hey Ryan," Ryan goes, "What?" He goes, "It's time to go home." And then Kowalski's gone, and you realise it was sort of like a dream sequence. None of that actually happened.
1: Um... No, exactly. So he, because 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 it, it, when he first emerges, it, it returns. Um, she asks, "Oh, h- how are you still alive?" You know, understandable question. And he's essentially goes, "It's a hell of a story."
0: Yeah, and, hell of a story. Yeah.
1: Then she asks that question again, and sort of the camera pans around, and then all of a sudden he isn't there.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, and we realise that um, it was a hallucination brought on by probably oxygen deprivation
0: yeah but it's it's that moment that everything sort of shifts for her and she's like you know what i don't actually want to die right now and you know she gets she gets her butt to gear so to speak and um yeah works works out a solution to her problem in terms of how to get the get to the chinese station
1: exactly and this is actually and it sort of stems to the idea that it was that the hallucination was a way for her mind to sort of tell her what to do it was a way for her mind to try to survive um because kowalski as part of the hallucination told her that she could use the thrusters the sort of landing thrusters on the soyuz capsule as a sort of you know um impromptu engine because obviously the engines don't work as fuel but the thrusters still have a small amount of fuel yeah so she she tricks the state she tricks us capsule into thinking that um they're just approaching Earth, they're just above the ground, which is when the thrusters fire. And she then fires them in order to propel herself towards Tiongang.
0: It's all about them thrusters.
1: <laughs> it is absolutely.
0: Yeah, so. Oh, do you want to take this next bit, George?
1: <laughs> yeah, so she's so at this point, um, uh, Stone is very much taking the initiative, and we see her as a character. She's now essentially doing everything that um she has she has a brief moment um, before she arrives at the station where um, she sort of, you know, is speaking obviously to herself, but to Kowalski, um, saying that when you, you know, you'll soon see a sort of young girl, um, my daughter, you know, tell her I love her and I found her shoe, which was missing. So it, it also suggested that she's also reconciled herself and is sort of more come to terms with her daughter's demise as well. Mm through her experiences obviously over the last sort of 90 minutes or so yeah that's right um and she's also she just seems to have a general confidence and whereas up until this point it was always kowalski leading her and he um acting as sort of a chaperone and guiding her through it she is now the one who she's now essentially exhibits complete agency and she is the one who sort of takes the initiative
0: yeah that's yeah that's exactly she's she's no longer passive she's actually actively uh fighting for her own survival
1: Exactly, and we'll get into that probably when we do the review proper, just how sort of significant it is for the character. Hmm. Um, she then begins to approach. We see she approaches the Chinese station, gang, and it. she remarks that it's skimming the atmosphere. Um, the Chinese station is on the verge of re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, and obviously if it does that, then all hope she has of escaping will be gone. Um, at this point, it's very convenient to note, um, this is a very topical episode because... The station on which this one in the film is modelled re-entered Earth's atmosphere in this very way not a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, actually, and I, I hadn't considered that when I was watching this. Um, but
1: yeah, mm, so 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 we do do topical films. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's actually I, I actually think one of the things that made me suggest Gravity was because I remembered that sort of connection mm. a few weeks ago when I suggested we do this. Yeah. So she, yeah. So it, it, again, we'll go through the rest of it quick quickly because the um sort of in the very final stage of the film now. So um, obviously you can't. The situation is such that Stone cannot use the Soyuz to dock with the Chinese station. So what she actually has to do is do a sort of spacewalk, essentially, in order to reach reach the station. And this is when um, the fire extinguisher comes into its own.
0: So of course she has to jump from the Chinese station, sorry, the Soyuz capsule to the Chinese station, and um, and she has to orient herself using the um, fire extinguisher as a thruster, and
1: the low tech, the low tech version of Kowalski's
0: jetpack. (laughs) Yeah, the low tech jetpack, um, prototype, prototype. pre-prototype. And with that, she she eventually makes her way to the Chinese station and is alive, uh, almost loses it. But then, uh, you know, <laughs> what happens next? You have the debris. The debris is back, back again. The debris, the debris is, back. is
1: back. She just manages to make it onto the station, is just trying to open the main airlock. And it's actually quite good because we sort of see, um, we sort of, we, we have sort of a shot of, of um, stone sort of working on it. And behind her, we can just see the sort of field of the breeze slowly approaching.
0: Mm, yeah. It's like, good God, here it is again.
1: Exactly. Um, so she managed to enter the station, thankfully. And uh, the Chinese station has seen better days, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: nothing in space is doing particularly well at the moment. No, that's true. But <laughs> the shuttle is still functional.
1: Huzzah! So uh, the, basically the Chinese, again, space minute with george um the chinese effectively have a capsule which it's basically the equivalent of the um russian soyuz Uh, the soyuz is sort of the mainstay of russia's um um manned spacecraft and it's been so um right since the 60s when it was initially designed as sort of the um what was initially designed actually for the sort of aborted russian lunar program so the chinese for their space program just basically took the um, Soyuz, um, and as they did with a lot of sort of Soviet-era technology, just sort of stuck a new label on it, essentially.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so basically the Chinese capsule, the Soyuz capsule, with the serial numbers filed off.
0: <laughs>
1: Which is important because it means that um, Stone is able to fly it without too much difficulty.
0: Yeah, it's not like uh, having to learn something entirely new whilst also making sure that you don't die.
1: Yeah, so with the Chinese station re entering the atmosphere, which is again, cinemat- from the perspective of cinematography, is very well done. Stone manages to board the um, sort of Chinese Soyuz capsule and prepares to sort of detach it. Um, she manages to do that without too much difficulty. It's uh, so at this time she sort of we get sort of the final scene with her, where she uh, in the capsule, where she really, again, she really sort of to fulfill her arc throughout the film. At this point, she really is sort of content and reconciled herself to the fact that she puts it, she'll either land on Earth and have a hell of a story to tell or will um, burn up, mm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very much the final stretch. Um, she's put everything she's got into getting herself this far and I think recognising the significance of the moment is basically like, yeah, if I make it, great. If I don't, I try
1: it. Exactly. And she seems... Again, despite the fact that it's, you know, the capsule is slightly on fire, it's just everything's, you know, going off, alarms are beeping, she seems very content and almost calm to a, in a strange way. Yeah, so at this point, um, Stone, you know, the capsules, capsule's in absolute chaos, you know, smoke is going everywhere, there's a small amount of fire, alarms are beeping, but she seems very, almost calm and contented in a strange way as she re-enters the atmosphere. Yeah, so... She's
0: accepted what's happened and what's coming, um, but she lands in the water. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of there's a bit of uh, concern as she struggles to free herself from the capsule, but she eventually finds herself to the the water surface and floats on her back toward the shore.
1: And it's very pleased. And it's because how it, how it works is whereas Americans' capsules, at least during the Apollo era, were designed to splash down, to land in oceans, um, the Soyuz capsule has always been re-entered. Basically, it's intended to sort of re-enter on the Russian steps. It's designed for a land-based um, well landing. Um, the Now, this is sort of an interesting technical point. Um, whereas American sort of capsules in the Apollo era were designed to land on water to have splashdowns, um, a, the Russian capsules the Soyuz is intended for land-based re-entries. Um so whereas <laughs> whereas if this was an American style capsule it would probably float. Unfortunately the Soyuz does not. Um, so when the Soyuz lands it begins to sink quite promptly. Mm. Which it adds it again adds a very interesting sort of irony, ironic twist to the film, I think, in the last sort of few moments, in that after having survived all of that, you know, having survived sort of you know, desolate um, dangers that space presents that Stone could have ended up drowning.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, that was a bit scary yeah. for a moment, but of course it's just a little little bit of lingering tension before she swims to the surface and floats on her back to the shore. Um, and this, I guess, is the final sort of victory for her, because she, she kind of laughs as she struggles to get herself to her feet and, um, yeah, I think we can hear sort of Houston going off
1: in the background, um, throughout this. We can, yeah, the implication being that they're managing to track her, which, which is, I think was included for a pop point, because if she wasn't being tracked, if they didn't know where she was, we'd be left in a situation where she could have been in the absolute middle of nowhere and would have died of exposure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was kind of necessary to sort of, I guess, for the, for the audience's sake. To to have that there to be like yeah she's gonna be okay she's walking slowly kind of stumbling um off further inland um but she's gonna be okay because Houston is tracking her
1: exactly because again if not we, you know she could have come down for we you know in the middle of sort of the Amazon somewhere and just you know having survived all of that she's going to just die of starvation exposure hmm. um Welcome to the set of Anaconda three <laughs> exactly oh that would have made it more interesting. Again, yeah, it would have changed the tone of the film slightly. Yeah, just a bit. But no, Stone returns to Earth. She's seen sort of getting up. She has a moment of catharsis where she says "thank you," which we assume is to Kowalski.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's what that was.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. So she has that moment of gratitude, and music swells, and go to credits and the end okay then so that is the sort of basic overview of um gravity it's okay it's it's sort of a difficult film i felt to summarize because it was either so much of the film is based on sort of um sort of subtle interactions between characters and it's it's one of those situations where we either said very little or we sort of explained everything i felt yeah which i think might speak slightly towards sort of the general writing um so, where to begin? Should we... I think we've thought this it's best as we did last time to sort of begin by sort of addressing the overarching theme, which I'm not sure if you felt this way, Crazy, but when watching it, I, I felt that the overarching sort of theme was the issue of sort of... Again, this is ultimately a sort of... In one sense, it's a disaster film and a survival film, and obviously the characters are trying to survive very difficult, you know, seemingly insurmountable odds. And in that sense, it seems as though... Um, the director and the writers are trying to portray how characters respond to that and how they convince themselves to try and survive and also how they, if necessary, sort of reconcile themselves to their own mortality and potentially imminent demise. And so whereas Kowalski obviously represents um, represents that sort of impulse to survive, um, obviously Dr. Stone initially begins the film in obviously a much weaker position in, in very much as his... Um, under his sort of guidance, but uh, as she sort of is forced by circumstances to come to terms of the situation around her, she clearly begins to she she, she clearly begins to I think um, adopt not only his sort of Kowalski's mannerisms and disposition, but generally she comes to desire survival mm. and wants to and strive to survive.
0: Well, yeah, it's an interesting thing because her character obviously needed to be quite inexperienced in order for the stakes to really be so real. I mean, if she was just another Kowalski, it would have been, okay, well, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to go. Easy, problem solved. There wouldn't have been as much heightened emotional drama. The solution to the problem would have been very easy, and you'd have been able to finish the film in 30 minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. But, of course, that changes when you get halfway through the film, and all of a sudden you're actually having to make the character more active you're having to put the character in a position where she actually changes and becomes more active and trying to find a solution to her problem as opposed to just being passive and and kind of weak um
1: which is exactly how her character plays out in the end it is and there's a moment obviously when there's sort of a a, i'd say 20 25 minute period between when kowalski dies and She uh, and um, and Stone sort of is reunited, quote unquote, with Kowalski again, and that's sort of the period of ambiguity where she could go either way. She could either commit herself to surviving and striving to survive, or she could, as she ultimately comes close to doing, sort of accept the inevitability of her fate. Yeah, exactly. No, so I think in that sense, the characters, the sort of um, the relationship between the two characters, very much serves to illustrate the different ways that a person can respond to an extreme situation like that and how they can choose to ultimately confront it and overcome it or, you know, if they decide to try and overcome it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so the theme, like I said, it, it's fairly, it, it's a, I, I think the theme is quite evident in that sense, but it's, it's one of those situations where although the theme is fairly clear, it's very su- there are ways in which between the relationship between the characters, it, it is quite subtly portrayed and developed over the film.
0: Yeah, that seems fair.
1: Yeah. And they are able to you you really get a sense with um Stone character that she she really does undergo a genuine character arc, and there is a like when she manages to return to Earth, there is a sense of catharsis simply because of the arc that her character has experienced and the transformation that she is, you know, from very sort of almost passive observer to one that exhibits complete agency.
0: No, that's right, yeah.
1: And I think you can imagine in a somewhat less sophisticated film you would have had a situation where that didn't change, where Kowalski survived and there was always you know, in sort of a lesser depth film, you would have had the Kowalski character survive and she would have always been sort of under his wing, so to speak.
0: That would have been the case if Kowalski had actually been the centre of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it would have been a much le- it would have been a much less sophisticated film, it would have been a much less successful film. But yeah. obviously, Stone needed to be the more um, prominent character for very obvious reasons and therefore Kowalski needed to go.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And his death... I mean, it was sort of a situation, I think... I mean, at the very least, you knew both of them were making it back, I think. You knew both... Yeah, you, know, you knew at least one of them was going to perish. and I, I think it was probably reasonable to assume it was going to be um, Kowalski, which again, you need that to happen, as you say, in order for stone to be able to sort of come to fulfill his role or at the very least to come to sort of accept the situation and to work to overcome it
0: yeah that absolutely needed to happen because until then stone had quite literally been just following um kowalski along she she hadn't really been active in fact she'd quite uh she'd quite honestly been passive until he died and then she was forced to really fend for herself
1: exactly and i think and um, through the sort of discussion of her daughter um we we come to see it's always it's always the way isn't it it seems the both films that we've had sort of showing of the theme through the involvement of a child um yeah. <laughs> but it, but again i mean if the themes between event horizon and gravity are not too dissimilar i don't think yeah. there's striking similarities and that might speak to the genre as a whole i think but it, it is the case that That you know that Stone character uses her child and is able to sort of reconcile herself to the loss of her child through this experience, and in so doing, it sort of serves as motivation for her to try to survive.
0: Yeah, exactly. Strong maternal bond, hard to hard to beat, really in drama.
1: Absolutely, Uh, and I mean, needless to say, in terms of the actual film craft, needless to say, both. Um, Bullock and Clooney of course, very competent actors, and that certainly comes across um, in their portrayal of the roles I felt.
0: Mm, no, yeah, they were both spectacular.
1: They were very good. And um, it's one of those strange things. I mean, Clooney, I don't. It, it, Clooney's one of those people who I don't actually. I never consider him to be. Because he's, he's such an icon in and of himself. You don't actually think of him as being an incredibly competent actor, but he really is, and it, it definitely showed in his. Um, in his work, I mean, Gravity.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen him in, in lots of things and i he's never really bored me. So I think mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed him in films. So I think it's fair, to, it's, it's fair to say that he is quite iconic.
1: I think the film was helped by the fact that the writing, it's very well written. It's a very well, structured film and the dialogue between them is very naturalistic i felt it didn't feel there were very few instances where i felt the dialogue seemed forced or cliched it seemed very natural and sort of emergent from the story
0: yeah and i think with a movie like this is a there's a risk of making the dialogue a bit too technical or a bit sort of needlessly technical or over dramatic and the the writing manages to steer clear of both those pitfalls quite
1: nicely They did. They really struck a good balance. And on the technical side of things, they really were able, I think, to, um, they they really were able to, you know, illustrate how you would expect astronauts or people in this position to converse in a professional, but sort of, again, it's a context of professionalism, but also professionals who know what they're doing, who are very experienced and they're very comfortable within the roles they are, at least certainly at the very beginning. Yeah. No, so I th- I think the the characters themselves were served incredibly well by, again, very compelling and interesting dialogue. Because, um, I mean I mean this is in one respect this is very much a character piece.
0: Oh, absolutely. It has to be. There's only for most of the movie, there's only one of them.
1: Exactly. I mean there's you know it's two main characters throughout the film. There's a third who was sort of somewhat introduced at the beginning, who I think it's fair to say is there simply to sort of to to show just how it basically is there so someone can die early on. <laughs> essentially because i like sharif i really did we like we all like sharif <laughs> um so yeah so it, it is a character piece and it, it really it really does show um that they have both incredibly competent actors putting forward exceptional performances um working from a very very well well conceived scripts that you know was was very compelling um and that's why those scenes again i'm not i'm to being not a terribly emotional person when it comes to film but i think that's why some of those scenes are quite emotionally retching obviously when kowalski resolves to sacrifice himself and when in the soyuz capsule stone is essentially forced to sort of come to terms with her own mortality yeah exactly marvelous um the pacing it was a very it was a very short film Um, I think when all was said and done, when you remove credits and stuff, it really was only about an hour 25 long. Yeah, that's right.
0: It was it was a reasonably short film, but the pacing still felt quite right. I mean, there weren't any sort of, (laughs) again, to use this this term, any dead spaces in the story. You know what I mean? No, we really weren't. Yeah. the, the, The time was used well.
1: It was. And again, films don't have to be long and you can make incredibly compelling stories, which I think they've done in this case, some compelling narratives in a, an hour and a half, which is exactly what they did. Yeah. And yeah, and I think there's a good case to be made that if it had been significantly longer, um, it would have ultimately led to, as you say, dead spaces. It would have caused the story to drag and just not be as compelling as it was.
0: Luckily, they didn't do that.
1: No, they didn't. And this was definitely one of those situations where restraint and sort of um restraint was definitely to their you know to their benefit pacing as you say was good as well i think it was there was no again it, it just again i can't fault the pacing i was thinking about i really can't the balance between Morgue's quiet expositionary scenes and more driven action sequences there seems to be a perfect equilibrium between the two yeah no i really i really can't fault it that And in a film like this, um, in a film like this, we really—I don't think—we really can't um, go past just praising the cinematography to heaven. That cinematography is astounding.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they would have had to put a lot of work into that—that one aspect of the of the film in order to, in order for us as the audience to uh, to really buy the situation that they're in. Um, And they did an excellent job.
1: They really did because space. I mean, space. You know, it's something that's been shown in film many times before, and it's something that, yeah, you you need to approach. You know, to have a really compelling film, you've got to try and approach these sort of scenes in a new way. And the interesting camera work was one way that, um, in Gravity, that they went about doing that. You know, shots. You know, with these sort of really interesting shots where you have sort of the camp, the main you know, have a character mainly almost always stone in focus, you know, stone in focus. And sort of you see, you know, as debris flies around, you see destruction around her. And the camera continues to have her in the centre and it focuses on her with everything else revolving around her, which shows the absolute chaos and confusion of the situation. And obviously shows sort of it shows how she would be perceiving everything around her as well.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, that very clever shot where you managed to get inside of her helmet, um, which obviously portrays a sense of claustrophobia and closeness. Because again, I think that's really key. That for a film that is set in space is a very open environment. It is an incredibly close film. Mm. It's, I, I won't. I mean, claustrophobic to a point, but very close.
0: Yeah, and then of course, with the the, the, um, the camera work in terms of the spinning, it helps to really. Give you a sense of being disoriented as as she would have been in that situation, very sort of disoriented, spinning again you know, over and over and over. Yeah, it absolutely. would have been very unnerving. And that was absolutely, yeah, very really quite good.
1: Absolutely, it really was. And it's, yeah, it's one of the highlights. and It's one of the things I think it's, uh, I think it's fair to say the c- combination of cinematography and visual effects are probably some of the most memorable aspects of the film. Mm. Yeah, so. I think, I think that's most of the main things one would normally want to cover. Again, I think a very incredibly competently and technically incredibly accomplished film. So a reminder to all of those who are joining us for the first time, what we'll do at this point is we will each um, score the film out of 10, very original. We'll then recommend whether people should stream, rent or purchase. And then we will just spend a brief moment each suggesting... Um, potential improvements to the plot or how we could go about you know, changing it if we were so inclined. So I'll leave it to you to start that crazy.
0: Okay. Um, well, I'll start by scoring it with... I-, I want to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, mm-hmm. just because that feels quite like the natural um, end for me. I did enjoy the film a lot. Um, it's hard for me to fault it, except I... The very end where she she lands, and this is probably what I change about it as well. Um, and she she gets onto where she's crawling onto the shore, and it's all well and good, she's alive. It kind of ends right there, and it feels I don't know, it feels like there could have been more just in that one moment where it's not just about her getting to the end of the you know end of the line, um, but where the transition, with you know, the transitionary character art from passive to active, her fighting for a survival is uh, where that payoff is kind of respected better at the end. I don't know how to word mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we, we get to see more of that in the end, I think. I don't know. I felt like I would have done that a bit differently. Maybe stretched it out a couple of minutes to include another moment or two, but um, in terms of whether I would recommend streaming renting or buying it i would just say flat out buy it mm-hmm. it's, it's worth the money
1: yep. ultimately no no very good I, I i concur completely i really really enjoy gravity um it's a film i first watched it shortly after its release in 2013 and this is probably the fourth time i have watched it maybe it's a somewhat prestigious film i think and it, it you know it's a very incredibly well crafted it's technically very accomplished it's a film for those who appreciate film. I think it's fair to say
0: mm, yeah. you,
1: you really, if you appreciate cinema and well-crafted cinema and a director and a camera operator, you know, and a crew that really know their craft, I think there's an awful lot you can derive from it. You know, it, it really is fantastic as an example of a space film. I think it, it certainly is a fine example of the genre. It's one of the stronger, one of the strongest, I think it can be said entries in sort of a side space, sci-fi genre. Um, the just a small note before i get to sort of my ratings the scientific accuracy of it as well which is something i like to sort of touch on it is a very scientific accurate film i really cannot fault the attention to detail and the sort of things that that the characters say which are consistent with what you would expect in that context so again the attention to detail really creates a very realistic and appropriate atmosphere and setting for the film um as we've mentioned in the plot summary there are a few minor sort of what we'd consider inaccuracies that are really there just for plot convenience sake like you really need them in order for the plot to advance which I'm normally very tolerant of because that's not too great a concern yeah but no Gravity is a very very good film it's a you know, I'm happy a film I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy incredibly well made very well acted beautiful beautiful cinematography watch it for the cinematography alone Um music as well we didn't touch on but the music is very good um, creates a very good harmony between the events on screen and um, everything that transpires. So I would give Gravity a 9 out of 10, a very very comfortable 9 out of 10. In fact, um, The only reason I'm not quite going as far as the 10 out of 10 is probably because, for whatever reason, Gravity just it doesn't quite have that hook. It just, just lacks that sort of thing that just pushes it beyond that for me, just into a sort of 10 out of 10. Like, there are other films I would prefer to watch before I watch Gravity again. Is yeah. probably the best way of characterising it, mm, yeah, um, and that might speak more to the scope of the film. Again, as I say, it's actually quite a contained film. It focuses on a small number of characters. Although it has, it's obviously a disaster in space. It is, it is a very small film in one respect, and that might be to its detriment. Um, I, I, I think Interstellar was released a year after this, and Interstellar is a very similar film in terms of its themes, in terms of the ideas that it's exploring and the actual setting. But Interstellar has a much grander, more epic vision.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a distinction that ultimately, um, as you say, is to Gravity's detriment. Not that it's weird, because it, in in no sort of um, objective sense would you look at Gravity and go, it's a shit film. You just wouldn't do that. <sighs> no. um, but if you were to, it's just that they're two completely different films. As you say, um, Gravity is more contained, and Distello plays out a bit more like an epic.
1: Exactly, and I, th- I think, unfortunately, Gravity suffers from the fact that just because of the time it was released and everything transpires and it, it suffers from that comparison to Winter Star, mm, yeah. And that sort of it's unfair, but in one way it is sort of unavoidable, I think. Yeah. I I yeah. So no, so I would still think it's a fantastic film. I would still give it nine out of ten. Very mm. solid nine out of ten. As as Crazy said, buy it. You, there's really nothing to be lost in buying it. At the very least, regardless of whether you enjoy the genre or not, you at least should rent it. Um In terms of improvement, I know this is gonna sound a bit of a cop out, but I there's really without changing the nature of the film itself, I don't know if there's any way I could improve it. Um I think they had a certain the the crew, you know the director had a certain goal. He wanted to achieve something with this film. And he did that and did it spectacularly. Yeah. The A the, it's not how the film was was ultimately constructive that is the problem. It's just what the film was intended to be that might stop it being a ten out of ten in my book.
0: Yeah, no that's fair enough.
1: Yeah, so I, I, re- uh, I th- again, I feels like a cop out not doing any improvements. I would say if I, if you force my feet to the fire, I would say maybe, uh, may maybe there's times when she, um, Stone is in the capsule when it can get a little slow in places, perhaps, like when she's talking. Here's sort of the errant transmission and has the hallucination with um, Kowalski. Maybe it's just a little bit too slow in a few places and it, it sets the pacing off ever so slightly perhaps. Um but, and again, that's me being very nitpicky.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, you, If someone had to twist your arm, I think yeah. But otherwise, obviously without it goes without saying you'd have to I mean, those moments are necessary. The pace yeah. but the pace has to change. But yeah, if yeah, you know, twisting your arm I think that's reasonable. <laughs> reasonable thing to look at
1: i know so an eight out of ten and a nine out of ten strong recommendations um you're 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 mad if you don't see it if you haven't seen it already you really really shouldn't i think i think you would second that crazy
0: yeah certainly if you've got an inclination um that sort of thing or you happen to be fond of the actors um yeah i mean you're not going to be lost for story it can get quite technical but it's not I mean, they, they do enough to make it so that you, in the moment, can appreciate what's happening without being uh, lost.
1: And if you're someone who under, it has a greater appreciation of the technical, scientific side of things, there's sort of hidden gems, so to speak, that you'll sort of get that you know, you'll really quite enjoy, I think.
0: Yeah, so there's there's something there for everybody.
1: <laughs> Marvellous. No, ringing endorsement, I think. Um, so that was Gravity, ladies and gentlemen. I, like I say, I firmly encourage everyone to view it. Um, Certainly a film would. I think you'd, um, you'd definitely be disappointed if you missed out on. So before we close, uh, I just want to remind everyone um, about how you can make contact with us. Again, we are now on SoundCloud um, via Space Cadets Podcast. Uh, we also have just been approved into the iTunes catalog. All of that will be available for people to search in due course. We also have a Facebook page, Space Cadets Podcast again where you can sort of keep up to date with latest episodes. You can converse directly with us through that. So in fact, that will be a really good way of keeping in touch with us. And we can also be contacted by email if you sort of are like me and prefer slightly more sort of personal um, communications. Uh, the email address is spacecadetspodcast at gmail.com. podcast all one word, at gmail.com.
0: And there it is.
1: And also, if you have recommendations for future episodes then please do let us know we really really um, want to sort of engage people as much as possible and of course if you have any feedback any praise any criticism please do let us know we really you know appreciate as much feedback as as we can get and um, but we're not just screaming into the void <laughs> which we can do but <laughs> can we... Yeah. well ba- basically what this is is it's, it's basically our normal ranting into the void and just hopefully we hope that this time the void is listening and enjoys it <laughs>
0: yeah but yeah and so if you like get in touch otherwise we'll see you mm, next time we will indeed all right thank you internet humans and goodbye